This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, May 26th, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include Apple's self-service repair program for iPhones has begun in earnest, but is it really worth it doing repairs yourself? Something to look out for. Apple will begin allowing developers to increase subscription prices without you opting in. And Apple's whimsical new iPhone ad promotes a bunch of its security features, so many, in fact, that you may not catch them all in the ad. So we'll take a closer look at how each feature protects you. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Indigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. We missed a week last week, and we missed the chance to announce that Apple finally... Apple finally released updates for Big Sur and Catalina to patch those in-the-wild, actively exploited zero-day vulnerabilities. Six and a half weeks is a really long time to go for something that's actively exploited. So, again, as we remind frequently... Make sure that you actually upgrade to the latest version of macOS. Don't just install the security patches for the two previous versions because they're not giving you everything and not fast enough. Okay, more Apple news. The Worldwide Developer Conference, the WWDC, or as the cool kids say, WWDC, is starting on June 6th. So that's in 10 days from now. Apple will be, as usual, presenting all the new operating systems. And it's it's like gotten into a ritual. I feel that, I don't know, it's kind of boring in a way, that it's always the same time, the same stuff. You get the same flashy presentations and you get a handful of new features. And then we go on again around the circle, around the hamster wheel for another year. But Kirk, it's so exciting. What what are, what new features is Apple going to announce this year? I mean, it could be something really cool, like an innovative that nobody's ever thought of before. And don't you want to use those new features? <laughs> I guess you don't know until you see them, but it, it's a good point. I mean, I'm just in one of those moods lately that I'm tired of this stuff <laughs> changing all the time. I think the most exciting thing will be to find out from Craig Federighi what Apple's crack marketing team has decided to name the next iteration of macOS. Okay, so we're following up on a story we've talked about recently, Apple's allowing people to repair their own iPhones. And a journalist for The Verge, Sean Hollister, decided that he wanted to change the battery in his iPhone. So he contacted Apple and he got two huge cases with 79 pounds of tools, a big manual, something like 90 pages, and he was able to change the battery on his iPhone, not without difficulty, not without having to put a $1,200 hold on his credit card for the tools. We'll link to the Verge article where he's got lots of photos of the process. And basically, I think the reason that Apple's doing this, and we mentioned this before, is about the whole right to repair movement. We're saying, see, you can repair your own iPhone, but it's not something that everyone can do. And the guy had a lot of difficulties. So, you know, it wasn't as smooth as he expected. It costs $49 to rent the tools, costs $69 for the battery, which is fine. But that credit card hold could be a problem for a lot of people. Right. It feels like Apple is doing this in part because maybe there are some uh, right to repair advocates within Apple, right? That's a possibility. 
but it also feels like they're really just trying to head off any potential legislation, right? They're trying to say, look, well, no, 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 we're already doing things to allow you to repair things at home. You know, this is very specialized equipment, and so it requires very specialized equipment in order to repair it. And so we're actually allowing you to do that. It's a huge, giant pain in the butt. That's what you got to do if you want to be able to repair your iPhone at home. Yep. I don't think I'm going to bother. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to bother. I think if I need something like this, I'll have Apple do it. Okay, in other Apple news, Apple is going to allow developers to increase the subscription prices for apps without asking. Well, this is what The Verge says, but I'm not really sure they're not asking. They are requiring that you tap OK. Now, I, I have to say, I've got a number of subscriptions. I checked before we started recording. I've got eight different app subscriptions. None of them present dialogues in the app telling me about subscription renewals. They all, I get emails from Apple for all of them reminding me of the subscription renewal saying, if you don't want to continue the subscription, you have to cancel it up to the day before it runs out. But here, they're showing a screenshot from the Disney app that is talking about the subscription price increase. And it's giving you two options. One is to tap OK. So that means, yes, OK, the subscription price is going up. And the other, if you have your reading glasses, is to learn more or cancel, review your subscription. You can tap that tiny, tiny link and go through it and, I assume, cancel the subscription at that point. Well, I, I think what's most interesting about this, they give an example in the article. They say a $100 year subscription could go up by $50 a year without requiring an opt-in. It can't go up by $51 a year without requiring the user to opt into that change because it's more than that 50%. But what's really unclear here is in what scenario you're going to get a dialog box. Is it that the developer can choose to have Apple show you that there's an increase in price, but they're not required to ask Apple to show you the increase in price if it's less than 50%? That's what's a little bit unclear because they give an example of this of this Disney Plus subscription where it went up by, what, like 28% or something. It wasn't 50%. It was much less than that. And they still showed that dialog box. So was that because Disney decided they wanted to show the dialog box or or did Apple require it maybe up to that point? It's, it's very unclear at this point. Right. Apple's update to subscription notifications on their developer website says, in these situations, and this is talking about the situations where the price can increase without the user needing to take action and without interrupting the service, that's Apple's terms. They say Apple always notifies users of an increase in advance, including via email, push notification, and a message within the app. Now, I've never gotten anything other than emails. Apple will also notify users of how to view, manage, and cancel subscriptions if preferred. That's just, I think that means if the user prefers canceling then rather than accepting. It's all very vague. I think what's important to know is that if you do have subscriptions, they may be going up in price. Now, if you have a monthly subscription, it's less of a, a worry. But if you have an annual subscription, you don't want to allow it to renew and then not be able to cancel for another year. I'll link in the show notes to an article about managing App Store subscriptions that I wrote for the Intego Mac Security blog. There's several ways you can access this information. It's a good idea to check it out if you have a lot of subscriptions. As I said, I have eight. I think they're all annual subscriptions because they're all apps I use regularly and it's cheaper to do annual subscriptions. So I've never seen the monthly sort of dialogue in this Verge article. Okay, we have an interesting article about an Instagram account 
that was hacked and two-factor authentication didn't help. And now this is a bit confusing. We're trying to figure out exactly what happened. A journalist on ZDNet writes that it all started when I got a plausible Instagram message from a friend. His message asked for my help and included a reset link to their account. Rather than asking me to click the link, which I'd never do in a million years, it simply asked me to send him back a screenshot of the message, including the link. I thought, how can I be hacked by sending a PNG image? After all, it wasn't a reset link for my account. So he replied with the image and his account was hacked. Now, it's a little bit confusing. The only thing we could think of is that the screenshot proves that he's logged into his account, which gives Instagram the right to reset the password or something, because how is a screenshot going to do the same thing as clicking a reset link? Right. Well, and the other big problem here is he said, well, I've got two-factor authentication enabled for my Instagram account. So, you know, there's no way that there's anything that I have to worry about here. First of all, it appeared to be his friend. So we don't know whether this was actually his his friend's account that maybe somebody else had already hacked or whether this was somebody who appeared to be his friend who, you know, copied the same name and picture and things like that. That's a little bit unclear. Let's assume that it's the scenario that the friend already got hacked. Okay. So the question is, how is taking a screenshot going to allow that other person to get into the app. The, the only thing I can I could figure is that either there's some sort of automated system or a way to maybe contact Instagram support. Now they don't have telephone support, but maybe there are other ways to contact a support person at Instagram. And if you show them that screenshot, it appears to indicate that you definitely currently have access to that account on some device. And, and maybe that's enough to allow somebody else access, you know, not supposed to be somebody else, but potentially somebody else to access that account. I think the takeaway here is that you can't trust anything. <laughs> because imagine the cascade effect of one person's Instagram account gets hacked and then they use it to hack other accounts who are friends and then they hack other accounts who are friends and you know imagine the six degrees of separation between some average person and say some famous actor right whose account could be hacked as it goes up the food chain so before the show you were saying that the that people have this sense of security if they have two-factor authentication they're protected against everything but you're really not there are always ways to get around these sorts of things that the companies have to provide because they can't just say well too bad you're locked out forever yeah not only do i have two-factor authentication enabled i'm also an iphone user and apple tells me in all their advertisements that i'm totally safe if i'm using an iphone right all i have to do is tap a couple of things and nobody can get my data i am I'm totally safe and secure. Funny you should mention that because we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Apple's latest ad about Ellie's data auction. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Indigo's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. 
Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. So Apple made an ad about Ellie. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I kind of, I really recommend you watch this ad if possible before listening to the rest of this podcast. Although if you're driving, please don't watch the ad right now. Apple is basically showing Ellie, who's in a record store, who stumbles on a door that says Ellie's Data Auction and sees a group of people sitting in an auctioneer on a stage and they're auctioning off her data. And it's all going on behind her back. She doesn't know what, to, you know, if she hadn't stumbled on that magic door, she wouldn't see that people are buying her data. Basically, Apple is trying to say that if you're using an iPhone, you don't have to worry about all this. So we want to just quickly go through the various points. And in some cases, Apple is totally correct in the way that they're saying that they're protecting the data. In others, maybe they're bending the truth a little bit. So the first bit of data that's being sold is actually the most confidential. It's emails that she's opened and read. Now, if you use iCloud for your email, Apple's not going to be selling those emails. They're not going to be scanning them. We can trust Apple. But if you use I don't know, most e paid email providers, they're not going to scan your email either. I think here Apple is targeting companies like Gmail that do scan your email. Right, exactly. Google, I, I feel like most of this advertisement is very specifically targeted at Google and Android, basically, right? They're saying, here's all the things that people can get from you if you're using an Android phone and Google services. Okay, so the emails are something that certain email providers will scan. The next thing that they discuss is Ellie's drugstore purchases. Now, Ellie has a lot of drugs. They open the medicine cabinet, and man, that's, you know, no normal person has that many drugs. But I guess they got that from her emails, right? Or from her purchase history on some website. We don't know exactly where that would come from, but I think it's a good example of something that is sensitive data. You don't want people knowing what drugs you may take because it could affect the your cost of your health insurance in the US, maybe your employment, things like that. It could be that maybe the auctioneer found this data by looking at her emails, but it also could be that maybe she's using a drugstore app and that somehow is linking her data with other information that's been collected about her. Okay, the next is location data. And this is a very short video. You'll see, I think it's about a minute and a half. Some of these things just come on for a few seconds. So location data shows a map of all the places she's been. We know a lot about that. We know that there are settings on the iPhone and on the Mac and on the iPad to not share your location. And this is really important. After that, they talk about her contacts, including her sweet Nana, who's sitting there in this nice, fancy queen for a day chair up on the stage. Now... Contacts are something that you can allow or block access to from different apps in the privacy settings on iOS, iPadOS, and macOS. But a few years ago, you couldn't. And I'm pretty sure that apps could easily just snarf up your contacts. Also, we were discussing before the show, both of us had at some point uploaded contacts to LinkedIn because that's how you find your contacts on LinkedIn. You don't want people knowing who you know because, again, that's part of your profile that they're building up with all of this data that they're collecting in various places. They're linking it together to get more information about you. 
Right. And of course, we wouldn't do that anymore to allow a company like LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever to have full access to our contacts. But apps still can request that permission. It's something that I think a lot of people just do because they go, well, how else am I supposed to know which of my contacts are using this service so I can get connected with them? Well, let me give you an example. I have granted access to my contacts to Fantastical, which is my calendar app, because I enter contacts in events to invite people. Cardhop, which is a contacts app made by the same developer. Numbers, why have I granted it to numbers at some point? Maybe to share a numbers file where you need to have access to contacts. Signal, which I use for messaging. So it's not abnormal to grant access to contacts for certain things. Right, exactly. You just have to feel like you trust the company enough with your contacts in order to offer that data, right? Or that there's a reason for them to need your contacts, such as with Fantastical, it allows me to enter contact information when I want to invite someone to an event. Right. It is a good thing that Apple does prompt you now. And so it gives you the option to choose and really think about it. Hopefully you're actually thinking about it. Do I really want to grant access to all of my contacts to this app? Okay, Ellie's recent transactions. Now, they could have gotten this in a lot of places. They could have gotten this from, I don't know, Google searches. Or if Ellie uses Chrome, then Chrome has got all the browsing history, which includes maybe information from your Amazon checkout page when you buy something. The recent transactions could also come potentially from email, too. If you're thinking about this, again, in a Google context, Google has access to all of your email, your browsing history, if you're signed into your Chrome browser, right? Um, they have access to pretty much everything that you're doing online, just about. And, and especially when you also consider that Google ad tracking technology is embedded in web pages as well. So they're, they're able to get information about you from all sorts of different angles if they really want to. Right. So the next item is her browsing history. And you just mentioned that another way that they get information about you is if you're signed into your Google account on Safari, at a minimum, they will know every link you click in a Google search. They won't necessarily know after that if a website isn't using a Google tracker or if you're blocking the tracker, but they will definitely know that first link you click. Exactly right. So just because you're not using the Chrome browser doesn't mean that Google can't get any information about you when you're using Google.com, right? If you're using Google search and you're signed in to your Google account at the time, uh, then Google at least has access to information about what you've searched for and even potentially what links you've clicked in the search results. So Ellie apparently has a late night texting habit. Most text messaging apps do have encryption, but there are a couple of exceptions. One is standard SMS and the other is Facebook Messenger, which still isn't encrypted. So here I think Apple's targeting Facebook. Yeah, this this one was a little bit unclear. Like what exact like Apple technology? They there's a few things in this ad that they don't directly show what Apple technology is able to protect you from someone snarfing up this kind of data, right? Um, but this is one of those examples where it's it's unclear. Are they saying that SMS messages can be snarfed up because it's not encrypted? Or maybe because on Android, you can choose what app you want to use for your SMS messages? Or because, you know, potentially government agencies and others are able to access your unencrypted SMS messages? You know, it's not really clear. But Facebook Messenger is definitely a potential target or sort of implied target here in this Apple ad. Because if you're using a service that is known to not be encrypted, where the company has access to the contents of your messages, that's not a good thing. And Apple, of course, likes to say that iMessage is 
protecting you. It's encrypting your information. And unless you're choosing to back up your iMessages in iCloud, then Apple theoretically won't have access to your iMessages. Well, it's not just that. Remember, Facebook Messenger is not only sending and receiving messages for you, but Facebook is also selling ads. So they're very likely to want to use that information to create a profile. Remember, Facebook and Google are the two biggest ad platforms. So I, I think here, does Google have a messaging service? Well, Google's had a lot of different messaging platforms over time. I think fairly recently they retired Google Hangouts. And I think that they're directing you to use Google Meet if you want to use video conferencing and uh, I actually wasn't even aware of Google Messages, but we, we just searched for Google Messaging Platform and we came up with Google Messages, I guess, is a thing, too, I wasn't aware of. Okay, so at the end of the ad, again, this is very quick, all of this in a minute and a half, Apple shows two of the solutions that they have to prevent all of this. The first is app tracking. The feature that we've discussed many times where an app, when you install it and first launch, you can display a dialogue allowing you to ask the app not to track you. Or you can allow the app to track you and give you personalized ads, which are going to make your life better. Hmm, yeah, so much better. <laughs> and the, the, the dialog box that pops up on her screen, and again, this is like a split second, so you really have to pause it to actually read what it says. But uh, it, it's the same notification box we've talked about before. It says, in this case, allow carryout to track your activity across other companies, apps, and websites in fine print. This allows carryout to provide you with a better ads experience. And the two buttons are ask app not to track and allow. I, I do like that Apple uses the very cagey ask app not to track because it's it's really there are other ways that the app could be tracking you of course it's just that you're telling the app you would not like them to track you in this particular way i kind of like this dialogue too because instead of allow cancel or okay cancel you get one long sentence five words ask app not to track and then the other ones allow it's almost as if you want that robust sentence and you don't want the wimpy little allow at the bottom of the dialogue. They're really prompting you to go for the, 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 the target there is much larger. Right, right. I, and I think that's very intentional, the, the way that Apple designed that dialogue box. Obviously. And so the, the apps are saying that they can provide you with a better ads experience. So it's like better flavored ads, ads that taste better. What's your favorite ad flavor, by the way? Okay, the second thing they talk about is mail privacy protection, and Ellie has this mail privacy protection screen. It's a screen that you get when you're onboarding to a new phone. It, it's not the same screen you see when you go into the settings. I'll link to an article on the Intego Max Security blog about how this works. And there are two options, protect mail activity, don't protect mail activity. Yes, of course. So, so obviously you want to protect your mail activity, right? Um, the, and the fine print underneath each of those, the protect mail activity says hide IP address and privately load all remote content. The other option is don't protect mail activity, which of course, why would anyone choose that? Right. And the fine print is show IP address and load any remote content directly on your device. That's the default and, and the way that it works uh, has always worked and works on other platforms. Okay. Define remote content. Okay, so th this is important. In an email, remote content is an image that is not included as an attachment to the email. 
So if you think about uh, when you go to a web page and you, when you load a page, a bunch of images are loading, right? Um, that's all content that is stored remotely and being downloaded as you're viewing the web page. And it's very similar with emails today. Most emails do not just embed uh, actual copies of all the images with the message open an email, typically that is all remotely loaded content. And the reason why this is a potential privacy issue is because when you're loading those images, the website where those images are stored now knows your IP address, potentially, unless you're using a VPN or you're using this Apple privacy protection feature. Okay, but does this prevent Ellie's recent transactions and all the rest from being absorbed by some online Borg? Well, no, not necessarily. So f for one thing, if she's using Gmail in her Apple Mail app, then of course Google still has access to all of her emails. The one thing that this does do is that it at least prevents the companies that are sending out these messages from having your personal IP address. So if, for example, you're at home and you open an email, you, you don't necessarily want that company to know your home IP address, right? So protect mail activity. If you choose that option, at least it hides your IP address from the company. I would really prefer that Apple have a third option here. It, it seems implied, of course, by protect mail activity that, well, that's just going to protect you and that's all you need to choose. But there's actually a setting that you should know about. If you go into the settings app on your iPhone and you search for the word remote, there's an option for load remote images in mail. And if you go down to privacy protection, tap on that. If you have chosen this option, protect mail activity, you don't see anything else beneath that. If you uncheck or deselect protect mail activity, you get two additional options. You get hide IP address, which is on because that's one of the things that protect mail activity does. But you also get this other thing, which will be off and that is block all remote content. That would be my preferred choice because I don't necessarily want companies to know that I've read their email at all. And if you choose to block all remote content, you won't see any pretty images loading into your emails, but it also prevents the company from knowing that you have opened their email, which I think is a good further step to protecting your privacy. Okay, that's enough for this week. I'll remind everyone to watch the ad. There's a link in the show notes. And until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.